look at the World Trade Center. Who thought that me and my sergeant were going to come out of it? You got to understand, we were in between the both towers because the for those that don't know, the World Trade Center were two huge buildings connected by a mall of it. We were in the concourse coming from two to one because we didn't know two was uh, in distress that it had been hit. It got hit while we were in transit from Midtown Manhattan to the World Trade Center. So we were in the middle and both buildings actually fell on us. And I always ask my wife every pretty much every day, I said, I mean, can you believe I came out of that? So this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast, episode number 217. I am Matt Drury. Oh, wait, you wait. are Tim Chelswick. You screwed that up, Tim. Oh, That's your one I... thing you had to get right. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's just do a retake. You the had whole one thing. thing. No. You're Matt Drury. You're I'm Tim Chelswick. All right. We got it. We got a special guest on today. I'm excited. We do. We got Officer Will Hemino from the Port Authority. And if anyone's seen the World Trade Center movie, they know the name or just just any of the the uh, the stories around 9-11. You know, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary here in September, which is hard for me to fathom. We had, we had yeah. teenagers that weren't alive when that happened. People yeah. have graduated high school that weren't alive when it happened. Yeah, I think. And if you're any kind of follower of the outdoor industry, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you may have seen Will featured in Mossy Oak stuff or I mean he's he's been involved in the outdoors uh and and I looked this I'm excited to see how the outdoors kind of played into recovery and you know moving forward in, in life under such tough circumstances so yeah yeah agreed and uh and just real quick uh we have a news piece up in Deercast we try to give you guys a little bit of a taste of what's happening in Deercast we have a piece on should taxpayers be paying for wildlife bridges like an overpass for wildlife. Yeah, I I actually don't have a problem with it, but <laughs> I think it's a cool idea and it's helping animals natural migrations and you know, they do it out yep. west quite a bit. So, look forward to diving into that, but that's for another time. 100%. All right. Okay. Without further ado. So, Officer Jimeno. Hi Will, how's it going, man? Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. Things are going well, thank you. So, you you have some pretty big news. You are launching or you just launched a couple new books and I want to dive into all that. And I, before we do, I would like to kind of get the backstory for anybody that may not be familiar with your story. Um, if you wouldn't mind diving into it, kind of just give us the, 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 you know, the history behind what, what brought you from the immigrant, you know, childhood that you had into being an American citizen into being a survivor. And that's kind of what one of your books is about. And then just take it from there. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on again. And yeah, I came here from Colombia, uh, South America, Barranquilla is where I came from. Most people would know Shakira and Sofia Vergara. They're from there. So I always use them. Uh, the kids, when I talk to them, they get a kick out <laughs> you're, of that. You're but, more famous than them. <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, uh, you know, I came here when I was two years old. Uh, we settled in Hackensack, New Jersey, which is 12 miles outside New York City. So I actually... Uh, got to grow up looking at the skyline in New York City, seeing the World Trade Center. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that my mom instilled in me was just be proud of your heritage because, you know, in the United States, we're all from different places. Uh, but remember that we're Americans. We're going to learn English. We're going to fly the American flag. And she just instilled so much pride because this nation has just so much good things to offer. You know, my dad always said, if you are willing to work this country, you can make anything you want out of yourself. And that's something they instilled in me. 
So as the years went by and I went into high school, I played soccer, I martial arts. Uh, you know, when it's time to go to uh, college, uh, I had a choice to make, go to college, which where my parents wanted me to go. Uh, but I just felt such a strong urge to serve this nation. And so I joined the U.S. Navy. I was assigned to uh, the USS Tripoli LPH-10. We carried Marines. I was a gunner's mate. And during my time in the military, I became a U.S. citizen. And I still remember that day. It was just a proud, proud day when I was sworn in as an American. And I've always felt like an American, but now I was truly an American. And then after that, you know, when I got out of the military, my dream since a little boy was to become a, um, a police officer. So uh, it took 60 long years for me to become a cop. Uh, up here in the Northeast, it's a very sought after position. It pays very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kept trying, kept trying. During those uh, six years, I ended up mo- uh, meeting my beautiful wife, Allison. Uh, we had a little girl named Bianca. And, uh, but uh, at the end of the six years, after trying and trying and trying, I finally got on what's called the Port Authority Police of New York and New Jersey. So we have all the major transportation facilities here in New York, New Jersey. We have the three major airports, John F. Kennedy, uh, Newark, LaGuardia. We have the bridges, the tunnels, uh, the path train. The World Trade Center is ours. And where I was assigned, the bus terminal, which is the busiest in the world. Mm. So I was assigned there, uh, graduated at the uh, World Trade Center January 19th of 2001. Uh, six weeks before the attack, me and my beautiful wife, Ann Allison, uh, who was seven months pregnant uh, at the time the attacks happened, we bought our first home. So I was really living the American dream I, had a beautiful wife, had a beautiful little girl, had another baby on the way, was living my dream job, and had just bought my first house. Uh, so things were good. And then September 11th happened, you know, got up, went to work, a normal day, uh, and the world came down on, on, all, on all of us, you know, on the whole United States, as uh, I call them cowards, attacked us, you know, attacked innocent human beings, innocent Americans who were just trying to make a better life for them and their family, you know, and uh, uh in the movie World Trade Center, it details what happened to me and my team. Uh, unfortunately, we lost three teammates that day, uh, suffered uh, immensely, buried for 13 hours. Uh, my sergeant was buried for 22. We're the only two people to survive from underneath the World Trade Center. Uh, and then it started a, a long road of recovery. And uh, during that time, uh, my main goal was to try to get as back to as normal as I could. Uh, sustain major injuries on my left leg. Uh, but one of those things that helped me was definitely the outdoors. And I got to tell you, again, I grew up in Hackensack. I played soccer, did karate, never knew about the outdoors. Did a little camping as a Boy Scout, mm-hmm. but not much. And when I met my wife, Allison, she's the one that got me into the outdoors. I think there's some days she regrets it today, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. She's like, always somewhere. It used to be just deer season, then it became bear season. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so everything. But I owe it to her, really. She was the, uh, the archer. She was the bow hunter. Her and huh. her father, uh, my father, Paul Guardiano, uh, rest in peace, Paul. He, they taught me so much about the outdoors. And believe it or not, while I was buried down there, uh, I had to think about things that kept me going, things that kept me positive. Uh, and I always tell the story of how hunting came into play. You know, uh, back then I was on state land, and I don't have to tell anybody on state land how hard it is, you know, the pressures, especially up here in New Jersey, where we're just so uh, overpopulated with people, you know, on state land, it's tough to hunt deer and forget about possibly seeing a big buck. You're just happy to see a deer. But I remember we used to go up to a state park way, way yonder and we would, you know, we get up in our stands and it'd be an all day sit from, you know, sun up to sundown, hoping to see a deer. And I remember being in the hole and thinking to myself, well, you got to put yourself mentally prepared to be here as long as possible. 
And I would just think about hunting and how uh, bow hunting, especially that's what my main thing is, mm-hmm. taught me a lot of patience. Even after the military and everything, bow hunting just taught me a lot of patience and how to be able to, you know, control yourself, be able to enjoy things running. Now, mind you, I wasn't enjoying down there at all. But what I did do was able to put myself in a frame of mind, thinking about things such as deer hunting, being out there, thinking about looking over a field, a woodlot. And that really helped me in my survival. And subsequently, it helped me in my recovery because one of my main goals Besides being able to walk again and live a fruitful life was uh, I wanted to get back out there into the woods. And uh, believe it or not, if you ask my wife, I think it was probably the end of the first week where she asked my orthopedic doctor, like, you know, what are we expecting here from him, his body? And he goes, well, we're going to see, you know, he's probably going to have trouble walking. And she looked right at him and said, do you think he'll be able to climb a tree? (laughs) And the doctor looked at her like, I've never had anybody ask me that question. (laughs) And especially with the severe wounds I had. And so he's like, does he hunt? And she's like, yeah, you know, it'll kill him if he can't hunt again. And he goes, well, I can't promise you to be able to climb a tree. Uh, But, you know, depends on what I was going willing to give in, what Mm. kind of effort I was going to. And I remember thinking to myself, that was one of my main goals was to be able to get back in the outdoors. And I got to tell you guys, the outdoors has been, um, you know, just medicine for me. I mean, I still remember the first time I was able to get back out there and hunt. And I I remember just crying. Like, I can't believe I'm back here Mm -hmm. after what I went through, you know, and uh, what our country went through. Because every time I think about what happened to me, uh, you know, I always say it's not Will's story. It's our story. It's an American story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I cried that day more so because I was able to experience something that so many other people weren't ever going to be able to experience again. Although, the innocent Americans and human beings we lost that day. So the outdoors for me has been a big part of my life. And I mean, I go back to my relationship with Mossy Oak, you know, they were, they were there for me from the get go. I got to tell you, uh, Matt, you know, seeing your uncle and your dad from uh, the first time Allison got me into hunting, I couldn't get enough videos in my hands. I have the jury <laughs> series. I mean, the VHSs, you know, uh, when your father and, and, and your uncle still had a lot of dark hair, you know, <laughs> and, glasses, uh, that's way back <laughs> back in the day. You know, I have those videos downstairs, believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, I got anything that I could get on that I could learn about bow hunting. Again, I'm a Spanish kid from Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> so I was trying to absorb as much as I could. And all those videotapes and things that like Mossy Oak sent me to watch that helped me throughout my recovery. And it's been it just an instrumental part of my life. You know, I tell people, uh, you know, it, it's, it's true what Marcio says, you know, it's, it's not a passion, it's obsession. Yeah. And for me, it's an obsession because after being so close to death mm. every single day, and I tell this to everybody else, I don't care how bad of a day you had, remember you got tomorrow. And when you come as close as I did to having that ripped away from you, uh, you try to remind yourself every day, make it an obsession to live, make it something that, you know, I, you know, it could be a bad day in the woods, but there's no such thing. Tomorrow is another chance to get out there. So no matter what you're going through, you know, take those things that obsess you and make it part of your life. Because I tell kids this every time I go speak, think about it. There's 365 days in a year. If you're lucky to live till 90, part of that time, you do the math, 365 times 90. There's not that many days on the earth, And part of the time we're in diapers. And if we're lucky to get the 90, sometimes we're back in diapers. <laughs> so I tell people, you know, every day is a gift. And as an outdoorsman, 
any day that I could be in the woods or the water, I try to get out there and do it. You know? I think it's, you know, one of those things that the therapeutic part of nature, that that's what was so frustrating. I think about the last year, you know, in general in our country, it's just like, like come on, the outdoors, that's where people should Don't be shut going. Down Don't shut down yeah. parks. Yeah. Like, we need this. We need the sunshine. We need to get out there. There's a connection out there that you just cannot replace. And if you're locked in your house or you're, you know, it just isn't, you can't get what your body actually, I think needs, Mm -hmm. you know, we saw the toll on mental health and suicides and all those kind of things that resulted from that. And and I think, I think, you know, just talking with, with some friends who have teenagers and neighbors have teenagers, it's, I think the toll has really yet to come personally. I think the long lasting toll that we're going to see out of this is, Mm -hmm. is going to really be a uh, wrinkle in our history and our country's history. And I get it. It's a global pandemic. Uh, Tough decisions have to be made, but, but the Mm -hmm. outdoors, you you know, connecting the two to what you're, you're talking about. I just don't think that you can replace what it can do for your mind, body, and soul to get out there, witness the sunrise, listen to nature, have your thoughts with you. I'm sure, I'm sure it was sobering at times, but I'm sure it was, you know, uplifting in many ways, you know, while you're out there. Oh yeah. And still is. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, I have, I've been doing a lot of interviews and, uh, you know, talk about one of my books, uh, uh, Sunrise to the Darkness. That's the adult book that really deals with what people have asked me for years when I've been speaking to game. It's like, they understand what happened in the story, mm-hmm. but it's like, how did you make it back? Because people who, again, I'm no different than anybody else. You know, people come up to me all the time, like, I can't think of anything worse than two buildings falling. In. But I said, you know what? We all have our World Trade Centers. You know, it could be from... You lost a loved one. You found out you got cancer. You could have fell out of a tree stand. You could have had a car accident. The list goes on and on and on. But it's what we do with ourselves when we're challenged with our own World Trade Centers. And I tell people, yeah, I had the World Trade Center fall on me, and I'm blessed to be here. It's a miracle. But your life, your story is just as important. So I always tell people, remember, your problems, they're important. Yeah, maybe they're not important to everybody else, but you're just as important as anybody else. You know, trauma is not competitive. So hmm. let's say you fell out of a tree stand, but you know, a cop got shot, you know, those are tragic events, but the one is not more important than the other. So don't hmm. ever think that your trauma is not important. And, and specifically I'm telling everybody out here that's listening to this podcast because you know, um, I live in a beautiful area. You know, I was just talking to my, my priest, father Kevin, who's actually uh, writing a, a blurb from my other book. And uh, what I said to him is, you know, you look around this area, it's a beautiful area, right? And everybody thinks nobody has problems because I have still friends where I grew up that, you know, either low income, middle income. And they're like, wow, you live in a beautiful place. Everybody must be happy. Well, that's not the case. I can tell you that for sure. You know, just because somebody has a big house and a big spread or a big ranch, that doesn't mean they're happy. You know, we're all human beings and we all suffer through the same things. And why I'm saying this, because I want anybody out there right now listening to me, especially after COVID. If you're going through a tough time, understand you're not alone. You're just not alone. You know that um, they're. Just like me, you know, I've had to learn to live with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I call evil is, you know, PTSD, alcohol abuse, uh, drug abuse, uh, rape, murder. The list goes on and on. And for us in the outdoors, we have to grab onto the outdoors and use that as therapy because it is therapy. Like you said, Matt, it's it's a therapeutic form uh, for us as human beings. And I think a lot of people, I can attest that because here we're right in New Jersey. So we're only an hour from New York. Let me tell you, when they opened up our state parks here, 
it was a zoo. Mm. Because people, I was talking to some people, they're like, this is the first time I've ever been out to the state park. How beautiful it is. It's yeah. like, okay, you know, I, I, and listen, the New York City is great. I, I like going in there and I like getting out. Uh, <laughs> but that concrete jungle, when you don't come out into the woods and into Mother Nature, you, you're missing a lot. And I think well, one thing COVID did was really show people from the inner cities what they've been missing out, you yeah. know. Um, and, and I always laugh about that because as a hunter, you're like, oh, no. Don't start coming all into the woods at the same time. <laughs> uh, Especially when we're on but, <laughs> but I, I've noticed it firsthand how uh, people from the city actually discovered the outdoors. And um, it's really weird because we've had a lot of people in the city move into our area. We're mm-hmm. in Morris County. So uh, we got bear, we got deer, we got everything. And I have one property I hunt and some new owners came in there from the city. And the wife would always be calling, like, what's that sound? Well, I said, that's probably a coyote killing something to eat, you know, <laughs> or a fox barking at night, or they see the bears, they're just like overwhelmed by it. And uh, so I've been able to like help some people from the city understand what cool. it's like living out here. And uh, we're country, you know, we're kind of country out here, believe it or not, uh, you know, because we're not just like Sopranos, you know, it's a, not a country jungle out here. We are the garden state, but I've been happy to see people discovering the outdoors and helping them because COVID has been really bad. And, uh, I just, again, you know, uh, one way we, we escape things, especially during the summer is by checking out the hunt shows. You know, I love watching your guys series. You guys do such a great job and almost bringing us like we're there with you, you know, and we get to experience in that. And, you know, some of my friends follow me on Facebook and during hunting season, they're, they're working. I mean, listen, most people have to work. I'm blessed. You know, I had to retire because of my injuries and I got time to, to go out and hunt and watch being with my girls. Uh, and they tell me like, listen, you know, I live through you, what you're doing and, and I enjoy it, you know, and I enjoy watching you guys because through you, you know, there's some hunts I might never go on, but mm-hmm. through you guys, I get to be there and, and, and see that things that most people might not ever see. So uh, we're blessed to have all different facets in the outdoors from just being out there to, uh, watching you guys on Drury Outdoors, you know, and sharing stuff. And it's important that uh, we all share our experiences in a positive way because you never know how uh, you're going to help somebody. I mean, some of the programs you guys do, how you, you take children out there, people with uh, disabilities, you know, that inspires a lot of other people and people that might not be able to go home with you guys, but might say, hey, you know what? If that child or that person who has a uh, any type of challenge can do it. I can do it too. So that's a positive thing. Well, before we dig any deeper on your, your books, um, I, I, I have to ask, cause I thought of you this past weekend when I saw the news about the apartment complex that came down in Florida. And I, uh, like I said, immediately thought of you and just, you know, uh, what, what thoughts go through your mind as you see that and you see that unfolding from the outside. You know, I saw some of the news this weekend and I got to tell you, uh, I remember my wife being close to me and I watched the firefighters as they were carrying a young teenager out. And uh, I got really some chills over my body. And I said uh, to Alice, I said, look at this. I mean, you you couldn't tell. It could have been the World Trade Center right there. And, uh, you know, I was asked about that by several news agencies recently. And I said, look, uh, all I can say is that I'm praying for everybody down there in Florida. Uh, but I also want people to remember, I know there's a lot of missing people, but we as human beings are resilient. I mean, think about it. Uh, my sergeant and me were buried for 10 hours before they found us. And then it took 13 hours to get me out, 22 to get him out. Uh, and one of the things that helped me down there to survive is thinking about, again, positive things, whether it's hunting, 
uh, positive things uh, in the past. And one of those things was that uh, in 2001, early that year, there was a major earthquake in Turkey. And I remember watching the news. They found a little girl who's four years old, like four or three, three or four days later in rubble. So I still am holding out hope that there are people in voids in Florida that will hopefully come out alive, you know, uh, and it's a hope that I'll hold on. To. Even if people think I'm crazy, mm-hmm. uh, look at the World Trade Center. Who thought that me and my sergeant were going to come out of it? You got to understand, we were in between the both towers because the for those that don't know, the World Trade Center were two huge buildings connected by a mall. Of it. We were in the concourse coming from two to one because we didn't know two was uh, in distress that it had been hit. Mm-hmm. It got hit while we were in transit from midtown Manhattan to the World Trade Center. So we were in the middle and both buildings actually fell on us. And I always asked my wife every, pretty much every day, I said, I mean, can you believe I came out of that? So I still believe that there will be survivors in, in Florida. Uh, you know, and I talk about those three things to everybody. It's faith, hope, and love. You got to have faith. Uh, and for me, it's my religion. And if I don't preach religion, but if you don't have faith in a religion, then have faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope. You always got to hope. And every day I've been watching the news. I hope that we're going to hear that. They found someone and love, you know, uh, what we're showing again in uh, a tragedy as they are in Florida. We're showing how much love uh, people uh, have for each other. You know, we've been through a year of of uh, bizarre, world, right? Things yeah. are upside down. Things don't make sense. You know, it's like, you know, uh, the fun this, the fun that. And it's like it doesn't make sense. Uh, but what Florida has shown and tragedies, unfortunately, it takes tragedy to show us all. There's more love and there's more good in this world than bad. And in Florida, we're showing how much love there is. You know, I mean, they've already said, listen, we don't need any more money. We don't need any more supplies. We have so much we're overwhelmed with. And that's a positive thing because it shows you we as Americans care for each other and we're always going to step up for each other. You look at the floods out in Texas, how the uh, the redneck Navy showed up. You know, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I get to travel to this country and, and uh you know, I'll, a quick story with Toxy Hayes. I still remember being in rehab and he called me and I remember my wife handing me the phone. I started crying. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to him. And, you know, when I finally was able to compose myself, uh, you know, he said, Hey man, I'm just a redneck. He said, no, you're not a redneck. You know, you're a CEO of a, of a, of a big company taking your time out to call me. But more importantly, you're an American. So I don't care what part of the country you're from. If you love this country, you're my brother, you're my sister. Uh, and uh, we're Americans and that's what we're showing right now in Florida. And I'm hoping the next couple of days we have a miracle and, you know, they find a lot of people, of course we'd hope, but even if they find one, it's going to show this country and it's going to show the world that we as Americans are strong people. It's, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear kind of a strong message around patriotism. Cause it feels like anymore. That's almost, it's almost out of fashion, out of style. And in our industry, it never goes out of style though. That that's the beauty Thank of God. it. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. God. And that's, and that's just the reality because it's just a core DNA principle of the outdoorsman. Cause you're, you're, living a lifestyle that's a little more, I think the fabric's a little more woven into the DNA of the country. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of blue collar guys, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, farmers and you're living there off the land. So I think, I just think it's a different mentality and I don't foresee our little niche in industry ever losing sight of that. And yeah. thank, thank goodness, obviously. Yeah. 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 Part, in, in great part to guys like Will who yeah. are flying the flag. Yeah. So, so that, that's a great segue into your children's book, Will. 
Why don't you talk about kind of the impetus for that? Yeah. So my children's book actually came, uh, the catalyst was really kids, kids, parents, and educators. So I was able to write the book. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see it. Right there, yeah. American survivor, little boy who grew up to the L3. And as you can see the cover, my patriotism there, the flag, the World Trade Center, and I'm proud of where I came from. So that's the Colombian national soccer team shirt. Oh, cool. So hence few kids know, hey, soccer. So this book really came from uh, my speaking engagements to different schools. Uh, kids would come up and ask me, hey, you have a kid's book. And I'd always say to them, listen, I'm just a dumb cop. I, I don't know how to write a book, you know, and <laughs> and probably the last four years, people really were asking me a lot. And it was last year, just before COVID, where I was having lunch with a good friend of mine in the next neighboring town and our kids to uh, cheerlead together, my youngest, Olivia, who actually was born on, after 9-11. She was my birthday present. Mm. Um, she was born on November 26, 2001. So wow. I was my birthday present. present. I got to see her be born. Um, and they were like, you should really have a kid's book. And again, I said, well, how am I going to put this together? Right? And they said, hey, listen, we should talk to uh, my brother-in-law. He has two children's books out. So I said, all right. So we kind of chit-chatted back and forth, talked about it. Uh, and then COVID and we kind of bunkered down. Uh, I remember telling him what my thought was for the cover and he actually drew it. Um, and it was a little tweaking to be done in it, but I couldn't believe it. Like he made it come to life. So then he said, well, how do we write this story? I said, well, I'm just going to talk to you. Like I talk to kids, I bring it down to their level. And the book came to be, uh, has great lessons of acceptance, uh, about overcoming bullying, uh, going for your dreams. And a lot of patriotism, how it shows how me as a child and as an immigrant came to love this country. And it really came from watching television, from watching the war movies, mm-hmm. watching movies about police officers. It just instilled in me this, this sense of service because I knew this was the greatest country on earth. And once I was in the military, I was blessed to go to 11 different countries. And one of the things I always said is I enjoyed meeting different cultures, different people, uh, seeing different variety of ways of, of people's lives. But every time my ship pulled back into San Diego, we all knew as 19, 20 year old sailors, this is the greatest country on earth. Mm. Because when you get to travel the world, especially third world nations, you will see that you have the opportunities and the voice to be able to speak up that in other countries you wouldn't have. So back to your point on patriotism, I, I will always say I'm a proud American. I will fly the flag. Uh, I, it's a double-edged sword freedom, right? Because I fought for this country, uh, almost died for this country, and I want people to be free. And it, it, it breaks my heart when I see people do uh, disrespect the flag. Uh, you know, and I understand. Listen, you have your right to your opinions, and I understand you you feel a certain way. But there's ways you can do that without dishonoring the flag. Because what I tell people is, and I would tell any person, you know, from these athletes that for whatever reason want to disrespect, disrespect the flag, and I understand they have their their thoughts and they're entitled to that but gotta remember and i tell this to every everybody and i hope that everybody's listening to this will teach their children this the american flag is not made out of cloth it is made out of the blood of patriots that means many of your family members have given blood or died for us to be free and when i see people disrespecting the flag a lot of times i know these people haven't left this country and they haven't been in third world nations where you know and tony blair says the best the former prime minister of, mm-hmm. of Britain, he said, any country that have more people trying to get into mm-hmm. it than out yeah. is doing something right. And that's us, the United States of America. So for all those people out there that 
again, you have the right to, you know, protest. I get it. But when you're protesting something that when it's gone, you'll be like, oh, boy, I made a big mistake. Because try doing that in China. Try doing that in Russia and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably going to disappear. Yeah. Uh, and I understand you can still bring your point across as to what you're, you know, what you you have problems with our nation. We're not perfect. But I'll tell you right now, we're the best in the world. And uh, that's something I'll die always protecting. Um, I don't, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'll be honest with you. And I hate to say this, but I haven't watched professional sports. I, I just haven't. I, you know, thank God for college. You know, I, I, I like them. But, you know, I just feel that when people understand that there's certain ways to uh, protest yeah. um, and not disrespect our flag, maybe I'll start watching again. But, you know, I, thankfully, again, the outdoors is there. So when Sunday comes, I'm out bow hunting. So it's all right. <laughs> they, they took everything away from an entertainment standpoint, whether it's Inter- the entertainment industry or sports or what, whatever it may be. And they've politicized it so much. It's made it unwatchable on so many levels mm-hmm. because you can't, it's hard to separate the player or the actor or actress from the views. And, you know, and I get it. Yeah. You know, America has a ton of problems, a ton of problems, but relative to the rest of the world, we've done a lot of things, oh, right. Shining and, and ultimately the, my trainer actually just today was asking me, he's like, Oh, what'd you think about that? Uh, the athlete that's protest. Yeah. That that was protesting. She she got third and and was going to the Olympics or whatever. And she was protesting. And uh, I say, I go, it's nothing new at this point. You're almost used to it. You just almost, I get it. She's fighting for her beliefs, but why would you want to be on the Olympic team representing yeah. all the benefits, but if not it's the so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so I, to your point about the flag, it's like, there's so many ways that you can, uh, I think get your point across and look, that's a huge platform that she's center stage. So yeah. that, that was in her eyes when she was going to do it. Yeah. But you know, if it wasn't for that flag and what it stood for, you wouldn't have the ability to do that. So we're doing something right, yeah. you know? And so, you know, you mentioned the bizarre world we're kind of living in right now. I often think about that when it comes to, you know, our our men and women in the service. I have a nephew in the Air Force. There are the, the police officers. It's just like, who the hell would want the job right now? It's thankless. Mm-hmm. You it's, know? A, it's a lose-lose it's, in a lot of scenarios. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Matt, to your point, you know, I did an interview uh, today and I was asked that question on, you know, it's tough being a police officer today. Uh, and I said, you know, it absolutely is. And it breaks my heart to sometimes even tell people, maybe you should look at another line of work. But uh, what it really is refreshing is I cannot tell you how many people still come up to me and say, I want to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. And that is something that gives me hope. And I guess I'm just stubborn because my friends will tell you, you know, uh, it'd be like Will could be in a parking lot. I'm like, big bucks gonna walk by. I just got to sit here long enough. Big bucks gonna walk by, you know, and that's how I think. And again, I have my days where I'm just like, wow, you know, who wants to be a cop today? And then I'll be at the range or I'll be a, a, a somewhere. Someone recognizes me and they come up and said, sir, you know, I just want to let you know, I want to be a cop. And I'm like, God bless you yeah. because you are the reason that I know there's good in this world. Again, I love that uh, a quote by Edmund Burke, the British philosopher, all for the, uh, all that is necessary for the evil of triumph is good men to stand by and do yeah. nothing. And these kids and these people that come up to me and tell me, you know what? I want to be a police officer. I want to serve. I tell them you, you instill so much hope and patriotism 
that even though they're seeing this on the television on how you have, especially politicians who will say, let's defund the police, but then go get their own security, that there's hope. And I just think that COVID really, uh, really magnified that whole issue last year because uh, idle minds are the worst mind. Like I think they say, you know, the devil's best weapon is an idle mind. Yeah. And I think last year, COVID, a lot of people sat behind the desk, became keyboard commandos. Uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. You know, I remember when COVID started, I was in the Turkey woods. I was hoping by the time the, <laughs> the season was over, it'd be gone and it didn't, uh, you know, and then I just found things to do till September rolled around and we were back deer hunting and, uh, even today, I hate to say it, I, don't, I just don't watch the news. You know, I feel better by not watching the news. I keep abreast of things because you want to make sure you're up to date on things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I'm bow fishing right now, you know, just enjoying bow go. fishing and uh, getting to do it with my, my youngest daughter, my, my birthday gift. So hmm. I, I tell everybody, don't give up hope. I know you watch the news. If you're watching the news, it's depressing. But guys, let's face it. If we don't have the police, what security do we have? And uh, that's why I tell people today. That's another point in the United States. God forbid we ever had a breakdown. Yeah, that Second Amendment that lets us protect our our homes, you know. And uh, I'll never, I'll never ever apologize for them, you know. I'm proud of the whole Constitution. Uh, so it's not just the First Amendment, you know. It's every amendment. And again, if you ever are in doubt, just go to a third world nation. And you'll come running back here. Any of those athletes that decided, you know, hey, let me burn the flag. Let me turn my back on the flag. I'll go try that in another country. I guarantee you'll be back here quicker than I don't even know what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Again. We, Tim and I both have uh, young families and uh, I, I look forward to, you know, getting the book and, and reading it to my kids. What's one of the best lessons out of the book or what's one of the best sections out of the book that, that really hits home or drives, you, you know, some of your points across? Well, it really is when, uh, you know, we have an example there, a little bit about bullying. And how my mom taught me, and she taught me this very young. Basically, you never give up. You never give up on anything, whether it be your dreams, uh, whether it be a goal you have. And uh, I, I, I think that's the most important lesson of the book because, again, I could have given up when I was down below at the World Trade Center, and I almost did. You know, I made my peace with God, and uh, I told Him, "Thank you for 33 great years for my beautiful wife, four years of my little girl." Mm. Uh, I said, "God, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask you for two things. One of them is just let me be able to be there to see my unborn baby be born, uh, and the second one, which people can laugh at, I asked for water because I was just so caked, and I mm. felt everybody was going to go to heaven that day. And I had a vision, a dream, call it whatever you want, but it was my faith. I had a vision of a person walking toward me with a long white robe, no mm. face, brown hair." Over one shoulder, his left shoulder was uh, a, a tranquil lake with just trees around it. Over his right shoulder was just nothing but tall, endless grass. And he's coming toward me. And I, all my pain kind of went away. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just in a peaceful place. And what does he have in his hand? And I tell people it's okay to laugh. He had a bottle of water. I can't <laughs> tell you if it was Poland Springs or Avion or what. But <laughs> I remember snapping out of that almost giving up moment with a fire in my belly. And I had some colorful words from my sergeant said, we're going to make it out of this hole, but we're going to die trying. And what I learned that night for myself and what I share with people today is that when you decide that you're not going to give up, whether it be fighting for your life, battling cancer, you know, paying the bills at the end of the month, uh, dealing with mental health in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. a bad relationship. When you don't give up at the moment that, okay, you, you can walk away from it. At least, you know, you gave it your all. So that night I said, if I'm going to die. I'm going to die in peace knowing that I gave it everything. And that's what I want everybody here with this book to understand that 
no matter what is in front of you, you never give up. You keep pushing forward. And uh, it, it's almost like working out, right? I mean, Matt, if I watch you working out, there's moments you want to quit and you push yourself over that threshold and you discover a new level that you, you, you're like, wow, I didn't think I could reach here. And that's what I want people to understand, especially children, because children today, uh, I think, have it a little bit rougher than we did as kids. Listen, when we were kids, if there was room in your school, it stayed in your school. Now you have social media. It's a double-edged sword. Mm. You get a lot of good stuff out of it. But kids are actually watching social media and they're thinking, oh, everybody's happy just because they put up happy pictures. Yeah. You know, nobody who's putting up sad pictures on, 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 on social media. No, it's everything's happy. The world has challenges. The world has obstacles that are going to be put in front of you. And children have to understand that uh, everything they're going to go through, we went. Through. You know, we went through the bullying. Sometimes we were the bully, uh, you know, and I want them to understand you can achieve anything you want by never giving up. And that's the main goal of this book, mm-hmm. uh, as well as patriotism. You know, I want them to love our country. I want them to love who they are and be proud of who they are. So that's the main uh message of the children's book. That's fantastic. I think two things, just commentary wise, I, it's all mental, right? <clears throat> your story, your, you know, the perseverance to push through and, mm-hmm. and circumstances that dire, I, I mean, <laughs> you couldn't fathom and to be able to push through that, that's mental toughness, obviously mm-hmm. that you, you pulled from somewhere deep down inside. And then on the Patriot, side. I mean, that's, I think one of the proudest things I've after this past year, my son, once he finally got to go back to school, he was at kindergarten, come home and he, uh, out of nowhere one day he said the pledge of the allegiance for me. I didn't help him. I didn't no, prompt it. And right. I was like, Holy cow. I you said, still do that. I grabbed mom. I said, Hey, listen to Cam here. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. It just made me proud and proud to know that he knew those words and could recite it. Yeah. And I don't know. It's a, a weird thing that, 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 you know, just instills into you. People keep trying to take that away. Like they try to undercut the foundations of our country because of their own agendas. And when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that that's what, I mean, Yeah. everything Will is saying is like, oh yeah, this is what our country was founded on. Yeah. Immigration, people integrating and becoming American, yeah. being proud of where they come from, uh, b- but believing in the beauty of the American experiment as opposed to isolating themselves and hating this group and hating this group and you know, open the borders completely. We're not a country, we're a globe. Like It's just, it, it's such a different world that we live in. And I think Will's on the right track in terms of, like you can't complain about this stuff. You combat it by having a positive, informed, and passionate message that's winsome for people. Lead by example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I got to tell everyone out there, I know right now there's a lot of people, especially from the Midwest, who are listening to this, who probably are just angry. They're angry because of what they're seeing on television. But I want people to understand that, honestly, that's a small percentage. The majority of people here in America love this country. And believe it or not, as an immigrant and know a lot of immigrants, most immigrants that came here legally, we love our country yeah. and uh, are against what's going on. So I, I don't want you, anybody out there to lose uh, faith, hope and love. And I, I know that sometimes, you know, you look at the East Coast, or the, the two coasts, you got the hmm. East Coast and the West Coast, where you definitely have people who think differently than we do that, you know, love this country. But at the same time, all those people, uh, they're trying to move out of, of, of California. You look at California, how they're moving into Arizona and Texas. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're bringing some of their views. That's kind of like 
challenging those states that we've known have always been. Yeah, trained. they're importing yeah. their they're, ideologies. They're, they're running away from their own uh, from their own turmoil. Yeah, and they still don't get it. Uh, but I feel we're going to overcome, and that's the main thing I tell people: we'll never give up. This country is the greatest country on earth. We will not allow anything to defeat us. And like Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, if we defeat. Uh, if anybody's going to defeat us ourselves, then even within ourselves, we're not going to allow this to happen because mm. at the end of the day, it's our job. And everybody out there, I want you to understand, teach your children uh, what history is about. I, I, I'm a big proponent of history, uh, all American history. And, you know, again, we have some ugly Dark scars history. on us. Yeah. From, yeah. From, but who doesn't? I mean, we all grow up, we all make mistakes, uh, but we try to achieve a plateau where uh of greatness. And I feel this country has achieved that greatness. And yeah, do we have uh, some things we're not proud of, but I don't think anybody out there can say they've gone through their whole life without looking back and saying, yeah, I did some things I'm not proud of, but uh, overall, you know, we're a great country. And I, I hope that everybody listening to this podcast instills in their children, the love of this country, because that's what I keep telling people. The way we combat this negativity is by instilling in our children to love our country and, and be able to sit down at dinner time. And shut the phones off. Talk yeah. to your kids. That's the main, main big thing I tell everybody is at dinner time, make sure you're involved with your kids because it's easy to say, hey, you know, hey, Cam, go ahead, get on your phone. I, I, I got I to gotta look at trail cam pictures. No, yeah. take that time. Make sure you're talking to your kids. Share, of course, big proponent of sharing the outdoors with the kids uh, because it takes them to a different level. And I've seen inner city kids that are brought out to the country for different programs. And man, the smile on their face when they realize there's more to the Iron City, more to gangs, more to crime-ridden er- areas. Uh, it's a positive uh, impact that uh, we have on these children. Yeah. So, segueing there kind of perfect into Sunrise Through the Darkness. You said that's the adult book that you wrote. So, take us through, you know, what what I assume it's about your recovery and how you you know, went from, you know, such a, cause obviously with, with knowing so many that, that perished at nine 11 and, you know, that's just mentally uh, in and of itself, not even just being a survivor, but just knowing so many that didn't. And you did, I, what, is that what sun, sunrise through the darkness is and take us through that. Yeah. So the book is sunrise through the darkness, a survivor's account of learning to live again beyond nine 11. It's a great cover. Uh, I'll just tell everybody, I'll talk a little bit more about the cover once the book comes out, but let's just say this is hunting related. This, this, mm. this, this picture Beautiful. is, uh, I like it. From, uh, Lamar, Colorado. All right. That okay. picture is, uh, and it has, uh, there's hunting involved in my life everywhere. So I always laugh. This picture is involved with hunting, but, um, the book really came from me doing speaking engagements and meeting people afterwards. They would come up and want to talk to me and they, I can't tell you guys. I mean, people would come up and share such riveting stories that, by me talking about faith, hope, and love and how I've been able to live with PTSD, I touch on that and have a fruitful life, they come up and share their stories. And let me give you an example. I spoke to a military base and there was a young woman who came up to me and, and here she is serving our nation and said, I needed to hear what you said today uh, because, you know, I, I just had my daughter uh, almost commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, not tried to commit suicide. My son is a drug addict and I just lost my job. And, you know, she took what I talked about that we all have our own world trade centers, but it's what we do with ourselves to overcome. And I gave her a big hug and, you know, I hope that I'm able to light a match that instills in her that fight to never give up. So after talking to people for many, many years, uh, 
people would ask me, do you have a book? I want to read about, you know, you explain what happened on world, uh, the World Trade Center. We've, we've seen the movie World Trade Center. It's about how did you make it back? And so believe it or not, I tried probably for the last eight years to write the book. Uh, but most of the big publishing companies say, hey, Will, we love your story, but they made a movie about it. And I said, but you don't understand. It's not about the movie. It's about opening up about some dark things that happened in my life because I'm noticing that it helps other people. And uh, one of the real motivators for me, which I'm blessed, is a uh, U.S. Marine. Uh, I would go speak to Fairleigh Dickinson University here in New Jersey every year. They bring me down uh, to a group called Latino Promise. A lot of Latinos that would uh, start college. And there was a lot of military. Uh, the war was still going on. I think it was just like 2009, 2010, around there. And I always make it a point when I do my speaking engagements to ask, you know, who, who has served in the military? Uh, and then I always kind of say, who's been in theater? And why I say that is because, uh, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but if I do, it's okay. You know, some people like to talk a lot. You know, you know when you're at a bar and the guy's, the guy's talking about big bucks all the time, but he just hasn't killed him, you know? <clears throat> so I always make it that, you know, uh, I, I ask who's been in theater and the guys who've actually been in theater understand what I'm talking about. Were you somebody who saw combat? And I don't need to know that. I just want to kind of gauge it. And, you know, you'll get a little tip of the head, the head or whatever. Oh, they'll come up afterwards and talk to me. And they'll just tell me uh, things that I kind of say, listen, you're going to go through some bad things up here. and But understand, you see me. I made it. You can make it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one young man came back the following year. And at the end of that year's speaking engagement, stood up and said, listen, I hope everybody listens to Will. I was having a bad time. I thought about some bad things and it helped me through. And I'm proud to say that he's actually the forward of this book, Sunrise to the Darkness. Wow. And he said, look, if I can ever help another person. And he does that constantly. We're talking to uh, combat vets on, hey, you know, I that he still struggles with it, but he's able to, to live a good life. Uh, that was one of my motivating factors to really get this book done. And I tried and I tried. Finally, last year, uh, before COVID, I had a, uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, so I took winter bow off, had shoulder surgery, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hey, here comes the 20th anniversary. Uh, if I don't get this book done, who's going to care after that? You know, it's monumental time to be able to help people. So I called a friend of mine, Dr. Michael uh, Motes out of Colorado Springs. And how I met Michael was <laughs> his brother, Jess Motes and Billy Down took me out to Colorado. And that's where I killed my first Pope and Young Buck out in Lamar, Colorado. It's beautiful buck. Uh, Mr. James actually wrote an article in Bowhunter about it called the Tamarack Buck. Um, again, uh, the the outdoor industry has been so good to me, you know, and and uh, so they paid a monumental role. So when I called Mike, I said, Mike, do you think we could do a book where you tell my story in first person? And then you come in as a psychologist without that mumble jumble medical stuff, because me. It took me several therapists to find someone that I liked, that I felt mm-hmm. comfortable with. Uh, and he said, yeah, we can do that. And it's important because this book is going to uh, show you that you're no different than me. And I'm going to share some ugly stuff, things, you know, most people know me. I'm a happy-go-lucky guy, but I was angry. Post-traumatic stress disorder, stress disorder for me was anger. Uh, I was angry I couldn't, that I saw my friends die next to me, uh, that I wasn't able to help more people out of the trade center. Um but what really motivated me to try to get help was uh, a couple of things. One of them, you know, I love him to death is Jimmy Primos, believe it or not. A lot of people don't know Jimmy Primos. You know, everybody knows Jimmy's on TV, killing big L, big bucks. But, you know, he, he's a combat. And I remember in 2003, 
I went to the ATA show. That's where beginning of my relationship with a lot of people in the outdoors started. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, being awestruck by Jimmy Primo. So I got to meet Jimmy. And, you know, after the introductions, he pulled me to the side and he just said, you know, let's forget about all this stuff stuff right now. Let's, how are you doing up here? And that meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. he's actually the first person that really asked about my mental health. That meant so much to me. That's why I love Jimmy so much. And, you know, I, I was still struggling with it, still struggling with it. And I remember um, it's like probably two years after 9-11 uh, or maybe a year and a half. I can't even remember to be honest with you, but I was very angry. I was able to walk uh, and I was mad about something. Uh, I, I think it was a remote control. And I remember getting mad at my wife. And at this time, I, you know, she was home. I had my four-year-old little girl at the time, five or six. And then I had a baby at home. And I remember just picking up a shoe and I was going to like wail it at her, like hit her. And I remember pulling back and I caught myself like, Will, who are you? This is not who you are. It's not who you raised me. And I remember just leaving the house really disgusted with myself. And I actually drove up to a wildlife management where, where I would hunt before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just sat there watching this field that I always hunted and watching deer walk out. And, and I'm not saying this because, you know, this is what actually happened. I went up there and I just sat there, watched the deer come out, those, and just thought about it. I'm like, you know what I realized then is that if I don't take care of myself, the terrorists through me would reach another generation of Americans. Because we all know if you have an abusive parent, an alcoholic parent, uh, that transforms the children to possibly becoming an alcoholic, an abuser. And I said, I can't do that. I, I failed. Mm-hmm. So I remember going back home and there's a chapter actually named after that where I, I walked up there, upstairs and I went into Bianca, my oldest's room, and I said, is daddy yellow on? She goes, yeah, daddy was scared. And that's when I said, as a man, uh, as a father, a husband, I said, I can't allow myself to ruin my family. So at that point, I started looking for someone I could talk to. And I got to tell you guys, it was hard. I would talk to uh, the first therapist, and you know, I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. And it took me a couple therapists till. I finally found someone I felt comfortable with. And that's what I want everybody out there right now. Listen, if you're someone who's struggling with whatever type of, uh, of challenge, whether it be, you know, mental health or just stress of work of life, you know, find someone that you can talk to. I, I, I don't have the answers as to who you can talk to. Try a therapist, try your friends, try your loved ones. And hopefully you'll find someone that's going to listen. And I tell everybody, the most important thing is you want to help someone listen to them. Mm-hmm. And finally, I found someone who, after a while of talk going and talking, I remember uh, her telling me, her name is Debbie Mandel, and God rest her soul, she actually passed from 9-11 uh, cancers because she used to go down to the Trade Center to talk to the first responders during the recovery. Mm-hmm. And years later, she passed from it. But she helped me so much because she actually said, you know, well, we can sit here and keep going over this. It's like kicking a dead horse. You're going to have to come to the realization you're going to have to live with this and you're going to have to be able to address that anger when it's starting. And slowly through her help, my wife's help immensely, and me really putting the time and effort into it, I started realizing that you're never going to get rid of PTSD. Anybody who has PTSD, you're never going to get rid of it. But you can learn to live with it. And because I would say the day I get rid of PTSD is the day they bury me. Mm. So what I do is when I know I'm starting to get angry, I take a walk. Uh, I do something. Sometimes it comes on so quickly, I can't even explain it. But my wife's there. Or my kids now know, hey, dad, would you take a walk? You're getting a little mm-hmm. pumped up. You know, one of those is simply, I could just watch the news and start getting really angry. Hmm. 
and it affects me in a different way. Yeah. But yet I've been able to live with it, you know, uh, and in this book, Sunrise to the Darkness, uh, I share about what happened on 9-11. But again, I'm going to deal into my recovery physically and mentally and what has helped me. And when I go do my speaking engagements, I'm getting so much feedback from people saying, you've helped me. And I get feedback mm-hmm. like the Marine who basically credits me with saving his life, which blew my mind. Like, he really, like, I'm just Will and I'm just a regular guy. But to hear someone say you have you're sharing your story has helped me uh, live and not take my own life. That meant so much to me. So that's really the catalyst of that book. Uh, we're very proud that right now uh, we're after pre-order right now uh, at university press uh, university professors uh, Right now we have pre-orders and the first person to give us uh, a good saying about the good the blurb is Oliver Stone. who wow. Directed our film. Mm-hmm. And why I say that is because people might uh, not know, but Oliver Stone platoon was about him. Mm-hmm. So he's an American who fought for our country and has had to deal with, uh, you know, mental things mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, such a, you know, three-time Oscar award-winning director to be able to read my book and say, you've done something good. It reads well. Uh, you're, you're helping people. That meant the world to me. So yeah. I hope with the sunrise to the darkness, I'm able to help people who are in dark places. And for those that just want to read it, hopefully it'll give you some ammunition. God forbid you really are uh, faced with a challenge and you could say, hey, you know what? Will's no different than me. He yeah. suffered through a lot of bad things. And I'm very proud that my wife actually has a chapter in it hmm. because, guys, uh, my wife doesn't talk to anybody. How Michael Moats got her to talk is beyond me. But uh, <laughs> she she talks about the secondary PTSD. That's our sure. wives, uh, our caregivers, those family members that support us. So uh, I hope people pick up the sunrise through darkness as well. So it's currently in pre-order. When does it actually come out then? Uh, the book will be out August 16th okay. uh, at uh uh, a major retailers. Uh, my children's book right now is out on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, immigrant American survivor. And again, sunrise through darkness, you can pick up right now pre order at university professors press.com. Uh, people can follow me on my Facebook. You'll see me post and uh, Will Jimeno on Instagram under Wasp Archer. Uh, my main goal, and you know, I, I tell people whether I sell one book or a million books, it's just to be able to, to help other people. You know, yeah. as a police officer, when I put that uniform on, my main goal was to impact people in a positive way. Um, and I'll to be honest with you, before I do speaking engagements, a lot of time I tell my wife, I, I don't want to do them because I have to go through the story. Mm-hmm. I have to open up about some ugly things. But then at the end of every speaking engagement, people want to talk to me. And when people walk up and they give me a hug and they they just pull me to the side and say, you know, I, I'm going through some struggles right now. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we all feel like we can't talk to each other. So that's where a lot of unfortunately suicides come from is people just don't feel like they can express themselves, talk to themselves, but they don't realize there's hundreds and thousands of people just like them going through the same struggle. Yeah. So I, that's the main uh, message I have from Sunrise to the Darkness is you're not alone. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're not alone. I want you to live another minute, another day. I want you to be out there another season, 10 more seasons chasing whitetails or whatever critters you want to mm-hmm. chase. Because you know what? I thought about it. You know, I did think about mm-hmm. ending my life. Um, you know, I, I lost my team. Uh, I went through a lot of, of, of pain physically. Uh, and I opened up about, about that, uh, something that I really haven't in the past. 
But I want people to understand that you're not alone. So don't feel that what you're going through is something that only you're going through. And you're loved. I want everybody to understand that you impact people every single day. So don't think that your life is invaluable. You know, uh, and as I bring it down to this level for, for those out there just hunting. Believe it or not, you being here today and be able to teach a kid to hunt and fish, you're touching that person's life and that person's going to keep touching people's lives. So that's why I tell people you're important. Everything you do positive spreads. And that's what we need more of. That's why I talk about patriotism. I fly the American flag. I'm proud of it. And every time someone sees me be proud of my flag, even though we're going through this turmoil, that inspires someone else to say, yeah. It's okay to be proud of being American. You know, hey, it's okay to have struggles. It's okay to feel like you're in a dark place, but understand you keep moving forward to your sunrise. Yeah. And it's such a countercultural message because you hear so much about embracing your victim status and making that your identity these days. When, I mean, we see where that gets you. It gets you nowhere. I mean, you live in the past and obviously, well, you would have a lot to, a lot to embrace there, but you've chosen to move forward and inspire other people. And that's how, you know, individual individuals and the country moves forward. And it's not easy guys. I mean, I tell everybody this, you know, it's easy to sit here and talk about it. Uh, it's yeah. not easy. So remember when you're starting your, your journey to your sunrise, understand it's going to be a rough road. It's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, you know, I, I use the example of working out. It's tough when you work out. No, you know, when you're suffering and you're, you you got to do push-ups or run and this, it hurts. But, you know, when you when you take a shower after you work out, you feel better. You know, and I want people who are in a, in a, in a dark place to understand that you need to work at it too. And again, don't be the victim. My mom told me that early in life. She mm. said, listen, we came to this country. You're Spanish. I don't want to hear about that. Oh, well, the white guy's better than you or the black guy's better than you. You're as good as the next person while you put the work into Yeah. So being a victim or as I call it, using the crutch, don't do that to yourself because the only person you're hurting is you. Face yourself in the mirror. And that's what I tell everybody. Listen, you want the answers, the true answers, the hard answers. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself the question because you can't lie to yourself. So yeah. when you're if you're going through a mental issues, look yourself in the mirror. Say, I need help. And it's okay to find that help and keep trying to find that help because you deserve happiness. I think, you know, any, anything that's ever been worth doing in life, that anything I felt at the time was hard or I, or I don't think I can do this or I'm not going to finish this. And you persevere, you get some words of encouragement and you do it yep. and you look back and you're like, Oh, it really wasn't that bad. It was a stepping stone into the next. It, it just continues to build your character and, and let you believe that, you know what, I can do this and and I can. The next thing might be just a little bit harder. Now mm -hmm. I know I hit the stepping stone to be able to do that next thing and then the next yeah. thing and the next thing. So, But you never know until you push yourself. You got to push yourself. So yeah. you got to put the and that goes, And that goes back to our country. I want to instill in our kids, understand that, that unfortunately – you can try to do that in certain other countries and you actually physically stop because of communism or, you know, but here in the United States, there is no reason that you cannot achieve your goals. Yeah. You have freedom, here, you know, and I want people to understand that. And both books really go to that core that, you know, uh, you can achieve anything you want, you know, as an immigrant, an American survivor and uh, sunrise to darkness, basically, Hey, you can make it, you know, and remember guys, Anybody listening to me, you deserve to be happy. No ifs, ends, or buts about it. You know, I know a lot of hunters out there, uh, you know, you got to work. Some people are working 40, 50 hours, 60 hour work weeks, you know, and 
just being able to get one day in the tree stand is, is a blessing, mm. you know? So uh, make sure that you, you fight hard for yourself because when you're happy, those around you are happy. Yep. And we'll make sure that we link up uh, the books and Will's social in the show notes. So folks can follow him and, and get to him. Will, if you don't mind putting in a good word with Shakira, if uh, you guys are on speaking terms, we'd love to talk to her on the show. Well, believe, believe it or not, it, it's, it's crazy as it sounds. And that I came from Barranquilla, Colombia. Well, but I came here when I was two. Uh, it, I only found out recently with my children's book, uh, I actually sent her copies it turns out my cousin in Colombia is friends with uh, one of her family members. Oh. And uh, apparently Shakira used to go to my, my aunt's house when she was little, but wow. I'm hoping that uh, she will see the books. I hope that she'll also kind of sit, put a good word in because uh, you know, uh, Shakira no longer lives in Colombia. You know, uh, Sofia Vergara doesn't live in Colombia, yeah. but they're examples of fighting for what they believe in. I mean, if you look at Shakira's story, uh, look it up. I mean, she was told by one of her teachers, she sounded like a goat that she shouldn't sing. Oh. And she put that to the side and look where she's at today. You know? She doesn't dance and, like uh, a goat. Maybe that's helpful for you, too. too. Because America's been able to give her uh, some really incredible things. I see Matt smiling and if I do talk to her, yeah, I'll Matt's let her worse than communism. Well, I, I said, because I, Tim has aspirations to be a country singer so i said and maybe there's hope for you tim <laughs> oh my goodness that's yeah. great you know but uh yeah I'll get to talk to her. that's awesome that's awesome uh, well we appreciate you taking the time i know you're you know especially right now you just launched the, the books and so you're busy on probably real <laughs> interviews yeah <laughs> so, real media no, no. listen we, the we outdoors you taking guys the time. let me tell you uh Marcio, primos Drury Outdoors, uh, let me tell you guys, I'm always there for you guys first. I mean, the outdoors is, is really been a savior for me. I, and I, I, hmm. I'm not kidding. I mean, I tell people, and you'll read about that in Sunrise to the Darkness, uh, you know, uh, hunting for my life is one of the chapters. And it really, it's done so much for me. I, I, you know, I can't express that. Yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough and, and yeah. we appreciate, you know, you telling the story and, and sharing it and, and inspiring people. That's, I mean, it's, there's something to be said for putting yourself out there on that level. And, uh, it means a lot to a lot of people, obviously. So we just can't thank you enough, Will. No, thank you. And I want to thank everybody out there that's been able to hear me speak, uh, because you guys are the motivating factor for this book is just people saying, Will, you really got to put that out there. You've helped me. I, I think you're going to help other people. And I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. Yeah. Well, well. if folks want some fitness motivation at Matt, Matt Drury 81, <laughs> I know it inspires me on a daily basis. Better, better at thinking woodsman instead. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are the wind beneath everyone's wings. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe well, my two kids, your two kids. We got right, two that's each. That's about it. <laughs> Well, thanks again. Thanks everyone for tuning in and be sure to share the show. This is powerful stuff. And I think it's, it just, it needs to go viral because people need these messages. Yeah. Yeah. It's beyond hunting, but it connects. It all connects full circle, all connects yeah. back. So we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, please do share and uh, tell folks about it. And uh, until next time, peace out. Yeah. DeerCast is giving you the chance to hunt with Mark and Terry Drury. Head over to DeerCast.com to enter.